Hello, my name is Ran. And I'm Joe. And this is the Flow Artist Podcast. Every episode, we speak with inspiring movers, thinkers, and teachers about how they find their flow. And much, much more. Except we're just talking to us today. <laughs> <laughs> we're recording this episode on the unceded land of the Wurundjeri people here in Northcote, and we honour elders past and present. Yes, we do. And actually, on that, I know it's not in our notes. We have it. We have a few notes we jotted down, but I don't know if you saw recently. Why well, know you saw recently that the Aboriginal flag is now owned by the Australian government, and I guess on one hand that's kind of okay. It's kind of good that it's been freed up for people to use without getting cease and desist orders or getting sued for copyright infringement, but. On the other hand... Yeah, I think uh, Lydia Thorpe had a really good perspective on this, that it is a win that people should be able to use their own flag in their own art, but also a flag that represents Indigenous sovereignty shouldn't really be owned by the very government, which is kind of standing in their way of that. So there are more conversations needed. And I don't want to take away from the really awesome work that Clothing the Gaps have done and other Indigenous-led organisations have done. It just really expresses how nuanced and complicated these issues are, that even when something is a win, it's not an unqualified celebration that everyone is happy about. Mm, Absolutely. So, how's your year been so far, Ran? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. So, how's yours? (laughs) Yeah, good, good. I'm actually really super grateful and really enjoying being able to teach in person again at our studio. Some of the things that I had anxiety around have not happened in the way that I was afraid of. I was worried that there would be a lot of conflict regarding vaccinations because we follow Victoria's vaccine mandate. So you do need to be fully vaccinated to practice at our studio, which is all over our website. (laughs) It's in the confirmation email. I've written it as many places as possible because I did not want to have any in-person confrontations at the beginning of class where I had to turn someone away when they'd paid and... I think that that clarity of communication has been helpful. People have been sending in their online certificates ahead of class, which is something else that we suggested people do. I've had a few emails about, can I practice at your studio if I'm not vaccinated? And I'm so happy for that to be an email conversation. (laughs) It hasn't been emotionally charged or confrontational. Some of the emails had the flavor of someone who was never planning to come to the studio and wanted to let me know that I was missing out on their business, but (laughs) that's okay. That's an email that's fine to deal with. And most people have just been super onto it with their check-ins and their masks and just generally really being courteous to the whole community. So that is a relief. Mm, Yeah, no, I've found most people have been pretty good with masks especially. So no, it's been fine. Yeah, I think at our studio, we're a bit stricter with masks than a lot of other studios. It's a bit of a confusing area because we are inside. But we're also exercising. We're not really huffing and puffing high intensity exercise in our studio, which I think is what the guidelines say. And I know a lot of other studios are masks on until you get to your mat and then you can take your mask off. 
We say we really appreciate your community spirit in wearing your mask. If you're having trouble breathing, if you're struggling, especially in aerial yoga, sometimes upside down is already a different breathing experience and the mask can be a bit much. So it's okay to take a break from wearing your mask if you need to. And people have been doing that and then putting it back on. And I think that we've reached a good level of communication and collaboration with that. I hope so. I hope people Mm. aren't feeling really uncomfortable in their mask and feeling like they can't take it off. Mm, mm, Absolutely. And it feels like the studio has been filling up the last few weeks. So yeah, that's been really great. We've had lots of new people coming in, lots of people coming back. I've actually had more private sessions in the last three weeks than I can remember. And I'm really happy that people are Reaching out for a private session if they're not confident coming to a group class rather than not coming at all. Like, I'm glad that that message is getting through that, like, we're here to support you. And if you feel like you need that on a one on one level before you feel comfortable in a group, we're here for that. Also, what I usually do in the private sessions is work with the person to devise a home practice for them. And I think people are appreciating that. So I've been loving doing the private sessions. That's been really nice. And now that I'm saying this, I wonder if maybe people are choosing an in-person one-on-one private session because they're not ready to be around that many people in the room, in a group. Mm, So Makes sense. Yeah. 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 And I guess I'm back at work in my day job, four days a week, and actually really enjoy it. Um, I'm at the separation guide where we kind of help people who are going through divorce and separation and help you know, connect them with the the best people who can help them in terms of lawyers and mediators and financial advisors, all that sort of thing. And that's been really good. I've, I feel like I, you know, have a lot of scope to sort of solve problems and, and create things. So that's been fun. And they're all a very nice crew. They're all lovely. And they've also got a podcast, which I wanted to mention. The, the last one I've listened to. It's not the latest episode, but there's an episode about family violence, which is not the most... Easy listening? (laughs) No, or not the most uplifting of topics, I guess. But there's some really interesting information on all the different types of family violence and how not all of them are you know, actually physical violence, but in all the pernicious ways it can sort Coercive of... Coercive control. Yeah, yeah. So that's really interesting. And sort of also the effect that it can have on children that are around that and, you know, the anxiety and, and trauma they sort of have leading on to later life. So it's it's a really interesting podcast. So you can hear that on by searching for the Separation Guide and you should be able to find it. I'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah. So what's next was, uh, I believe we were going to talk about Yoga Australia for a little while. Yeah. I've noticed an interesting change in tone of in communication from Yoga Australia. And I'm not sure if it's just me or they're just busy and they don't have time, but there's been a noticeable lack of updates on anything vaccines. Like when we were talking social distancing and masks, Yoga Australia kind of editorialized and broke down some of the more gray areas of the legislation. So it was more specific for yoga teachers and they put together a lot of resources for teachers and maybe they don't have time for that anymore. But I've noticed in Facebook groups when someone will ask a vaccine-related question, they will reply, but it'll be a direct copy and paste from a government website. And they're talking about personal trainers 
And they're like, yep, you're the closest to a personal trainer of all of the fields listed. This is the guidelines for you. And I'm wondering if in their efforts to represent all of their members, Yoga Australia just do not want to be controversial talking about vaccines because I think we all know that within the yoga world, there are a lot of really strong opinions on this issue and a lot of yoga teachers are very anti-vaccination and it's been noticeable by me in their approach to this issue. I actually would have appreciated some more strong leadership on this because whether we agree with the vaccine mandates or not, I appreciated it when they took the time to break down some of the confusing other points and really pulled out what was relevant for yoga teachers. And I've noticed that that's not happening now. Mm, yeah, and, and that's right. It has... And it did seem to me that their their sort of communications dropped off a little bit and it is a very confusing time for everyone. So I feel like a little bit of guidance would have been appreciated. I noticed the lack. Yeah, yeah. I guess another thing I wanted to bring up and I'd love to be corrected on this. So if, if you do know different from me, please let, let me know. But I saw in their latest newsletter that they're having a diversity training and I thought that was interesting. And I I sort of looked into the person, oh, I can't remember her name. And we don't need to single her out. No, no. But I didn't notice anything in her pro- profile or at least what I could find that indicated any real lived-in experience in. Yeah, you'd expect someone from a marginalised community who has direct experience of being excluded from certain spaces would be a great person to lead a diversity training. Mm, yeah, yeah, 100%. So like I said, if you have any more information about this, I, I would definitely love to know about it. Yeah, and... Maybe if you're thinking about running a diversity and inclusivity training and you're not from a marginalised community, maybe collaborate with someone who is and so their voice can be shared because Mm. it seems a little bit jarring when someone who is already speaking from a position of power and privilege, I don't know if that's the person I want to learn from about those things Mm. or at least... I'd like to hear from a diversity of different perspectives because there's not one right way to do this for everyone. No, no. And I guess also if if it does turn out that this person is from a diverse background or has this lived experience, that should be mentioned. Yeah, yeah. That would be a selling point for me. I'd be like, great. They know about that community. They're part of that community. I want to hear from them. Mm, 100%. Yeah. So I guess there was one other thing I I forgot to write it down, but actually we can go on to the next topic if you like. All right. Next topic is medical medical cannabis. <laughs> so this is something that I personally found really helpful through some of the more intensely stressful pandemic times and global news situations. And I wanted to share about it because... I don't think there should be a stigma stigma around people getting medical help when they're having mental health challenges, and mine are pretty mild. And I definitely don't think there should be a stigma around using plant medicine to help support your health. And things have really changed in that area. Like when Ran was going through his cancer treatment about five years ago, if you wanted advice on medical cannabis, you had to get in touch with the Hemp Embassy in Ninban and they barely have a website 
and it was like I think you could phone them and ask questions. I don't think anyone there was a doctor. I think they had lived experience. <laughs> and then I think it was like send money in an envelope and you'll receive an envelope. Like it seemed sketchy mm-hmm. and if you're going through cancer treatment, if you have MS, if you have any chronic condition, support is so important and there's so much misinformation online especially around slightly alternative treatments, it's really hard to know what is going to be helpful, what's going to be useful. And so I just wanted to share about my experiences to hopefully help other people know what's ahead if you wanted to go down this avenue to maybe reduce a bit of stigma if people are feeling self-conscious about plant medicine. And even as a yoga teacher, I feel like sometimes like my issue was sleep and I felt like We tried all the things, like herbal tea at bedtime, winding down time, not watching news or TV too late, pranayama, meditation, all of those things. You're like, I'm a yoga teacher. Can I just do a bit more meditation and fix this? (laughs) So she has a friend of mine who had a chronic back condition, and she saw the relief doctor in St. Kilda and got her medical cannabis prescription. And then I saw this female-led, very diverse female team It's called Astrid. It's in South Yarra. They won a design award for their (laughs) biophilic, beautiful design. It's like a person-first approach. So they treat you as a whole person, not just a collection of symptoms. So I was like, okay, I'm going to reach out and just see what's involved. And I kind of sent them an email. The first step is a screening call. And I think that is a chance for them to check in with you to see if you'd be a suitable person. At the moment, you need to be having a chronic condition, which means a condition you've had for more than three months that's not responding to conventional treatments or conventional treatments aren't working for you. So I've definitely been having trouble sleeping for more than three months. And just in that conversation, it wasn't just about the symptoms I was having. It was about me as a person, all of the things that were on my mind. They were really friendly, really approachable. And that call was $30. And then they referred me to an online consultant with a GP. Dr. G was really lovely as well, also really supportive. At the end of that call, I kind of said, like, I really appreciate you taking the time talking to me because while I'm struggling with sleep, it's a pretty mild issue in terms of some of the chronic health conditions and the mental health conditions you must be dealing with. And he was like, oh no, like you're supporting a lot of people and we're here to support you. And so I really appreciated that approach. And then that was $170, that call. The next stage is it goes to the TGA to approve whether or not you're a legal recipient. (laughs) And that took a couple of days. So I think the whole, it was like probably a three week wait for that initial screening call. And then everything else took about a week. And then I could go in and I got CBD oil and I also got some flowers as well. And I shared with Dr. G how sometimes making art, being creative, being in my garden were all other things that really helped my mental health. So he prescribed some flowers that I could enjoy with those activities as well as ones to help me sleep. And I've had a few like weird skin things and digestive things. And since I've been taking the CBD, I feel like all of that stuff has been a lot better as well. But I will just say like I've kind of broken down the cost so far. 
the whole way along, I was like, this is a really privileged position to be in that I can just pay for this stuff up front. It's not an issue. I tried claiming the GP call from my private health insurance. I don't know why that didn't go through because I filled out the form and then they sent back another form that was like, you need to put in these other details. And I put in those details and it still wasn't approved. I just kind of gave up. So you might have better luck with your health insurance. None of the medicine is covered. The CBD is not covered. The flowers aren't covered. So it is definitely an expense. And the team at Astrid are working on advocacy in this area. It's not on the pharmaceutical goods list at the moment, even though for some health conditions like epilepsy, there aren't conventional treatments that work for people. Like it is kind of life-saving medication for some people. Also MS, it's really helpful. One of my private students has been taking it for MS pain relief. Cancer, I think is one of the classic ones that people know about, helping with chemotherapy symptoms and just general pain relief and state of mind. So yeah, I wanted to let people know that this is a legal option now for chronic conditions and the team at Astrid was super supportive along the way. There are a few other check-in phone calls as well, just to make sure that I was going okay. I think a lot of the concerns around medical cannabis relating to people having psychotic episodes or bad interactions with other drugs can actually really be addressed if you have a medical team who screen for that stuff, can work with you to find the right strain and the right dosage. So I just wanted to share so people know that this was an option. And hopefully if more and more people are talking about this and advocating for this, it will be an option that's more affordable for a broader range of people as well. Mm, Yeah, nice. And yeah, I guess, you know, it has been very helpful for you, obviously. And I guess, yeah, I just echo about the, the expense being a, a bit of an issue. I mean, you know, we're lucky we, we can afford afford it, but, you know, many people can't and, and you know, there might be more cheaper, less legal options for those, which is kind of, I guess, a bit risky because it's putting you in contact with criminal elements. or And it means as well that you can't get a strain that's specific to your needs. So, you know, you just community sourced, I believe is the term <laughs> for that. Like, it's just whatever you get. And I also want to mention as well, like cannabis is a herb that's been used for thousands of years in Ayurveda and in Chinese medicine. And I would also love as this becomes more mainstream that the traditional wisdom from those cultures are honoured as well, Mm -hmm. even as simple as maybe it could be prescribed by a Chinese medicine doctor, like maybe you wouldn't have to go and see a GP. And in cannabis research, it seems that some research is going in a synthesised direction and plants are so complex and there's so many compounds and there's so many compounds in cannabis that to pull out one or two and synthesize it in a lab versus looking at the whole plant and wisdom for other cultures that have been using it for thousands of years kind of seems like we're ignoring this huge depth of knowledge that we could really draw from and everyone could benefit from. Oh, 100%. Oh, and by the way, we're not being sponsored by Astrid at all. <laughs> no, no. I, I have approached them about appearing on the podcast in the future because I really believe in spreading this message and helping people and hopefully making this a more accessible and less stigmatized option for people who could really use it. Nice. Nice. Hello, friends. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate your support. I just wanted to let you know that we've added a new Patreon reward. 
Supporters at the $34 per month level now get access to our online library of 200 video classes. This includes chair yoga, aerial yoga, gentle yoga, yin and nurturing yoga and Pilates classes with Ryan and myself. These aren't Zoom videos. We record with a separate camera and microphone in HD quality and we're in the process of adding closed captions. You can go to patreon.com slash flowartists to learn more and we'll put that link in our show notes. And now back to our conversation. So I guess next on the list... Yeah, so I'm going to share some feedback I got. (laughs) So I also wanted to share this because I've been teaching for almost 20 years and I still get feedback and this was some noteworthy feedback that I thought I'd share. So this was teaching yoga at a hula hoop retreat, beautiful experience, lots of fun. There was a love letters box at this retreat where everyone there could like leave a lovely little note to everyone else, teachers and students. And I got a lot of lovely notes about how much people appreciated, how accessible my classes were, how they felt really welcome. Someone felt like they kind of stopped going to yoga because they felt like it wasn't for them and they felt like I welcomed them back. So that was really lovely. But of course, it's the not so positive comments that stick in your mind. So I thought I'd share this one. Joe is very lovely, but had an interesting energy for a yoga teacher. Not very grounded and offered too many options at once. It was confusing and hard to relax into. So (laughs) I was teaching at a hula hoop retreat, and there were a lot of sequins around, (laughs) some of them supplied by me. I probably was more at the excited versus grounded end (laughs) of the emotional spectrum, just out of lockdown, excited to see people. But I did think it was kind of interesting that this person their perception of a yoga teacher personality was grounded Mm. because I think a lot of people come to yoga and get really into it because they're looking to be more grounded rather than that's the state that they already are. Mm -hmm. I'd love to know, Ran, what you think a yoga teacher personality is. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess, you know, for one thing, you've obviously got a a bubbly, outgoing and, and friendly personality. and. You know, I guess there is the stereotype of of the the grounded yoga teacher who's above it all, but I actually think that's kind of a, a facade, really. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'd much prefer a teacher who is sort of authentic and comfortable in in their skin, as you are. As you know, I I think you're an incredibly authentic human being. And oh, thanks, Sharon. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, I'm not just saying that because I'm married to you, but. <laughs> Yeah, and I and I guess you know on on one hand we have to take people's I guess feedback seriously, and obviously this person didn't quite gel with your yeah. teaching, and and that's fine. But I guess there is this sort of I would say that like sorry to cut you off there, Ryan. No, no, it's fine. Like when I was thinking like what is a yoga teacher personality? Like curiosity is something that more comes to mind mm. than groundedness and I think a desire to be more compassionate and to help other people. Mm. Appreciation of comfortable pants is up there. And most of the yoga teachers that I'm friends with are really funny as well, like that ability to kind of see the random, hilarious side of life, I think, is something that we can get from yoga. Mm -hmm. And I feel like 
the yamas and niyamas more emphasize the com- compassionate end of um <laughs> yeah groundedness isn't in there is it <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah it's interesting yeah and i don't know who left me this feedback but i do give a lot of options and accessibility is important to me and in that room of people there were people who were new to yoga there were lots of different bodies The person who seemed confused by the option was someone who was very experienced in their yoga practice and used to a very particular style, like used to vinyasa. At one point, I even said, if you want to do a chaturanga, you can do it because I'm not going to teach it (laughs) in this session. So I think sometimes when you're used to a certain style of teaching, repetitive sequences, I get how it could be a bit discombobulating if Mm -hmm. like... Now there's all these options. Instead of someone guiding you through, you're being told to find the own answer, to tune in and feel into what answer actually feels best for you. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people see their yoga teacher as like on an elevated platform of someone who knows what's better for them, better than they do for themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's just absolutely not the type of teacher I'm interested in being. No, no, or even attending a class with, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to learn, Mm. but I actually find it would make it hard for me to relax into the practice if I felt someone was being overly prescriptive. Mm -hmm. I don't think that approach is trauma-informed. I don't vibe with it, Mm -hmm. so I don't really go to those classes, but... That's why there's so many different types of teachers because obviously for some people it's reassuring to be guided through a practice and that's what they want. Mm, Absolutely. (laughs) Processing that online. (laughs) (laughs) No, so I guess next on our list we have, we wanted to talk about Celeste Little and the Greens Party in Australia here. Celeste Little is running in our electorate. Uh, she's a, an Indigenous woman and she's she's a, a bit of a powerhouse. So, she's amazing. Yeah, so we're absolutely uh, uh, stoked to... Yeah, also a feminist, live music lover, writer, someone who's just like deeply committed to her community. Mm-hmm. She's up on our fence right mm-hmm. now. A poster of her. <laughs> yeah, not, not actual person, no. Yeah, and I feel like... Anyone who feels like they're disconnected from our government, current government, like now is the time to take, take action mm. and to really look at who else is running. And even today, a friend posted on Facebook about, oh, real surprised that friends of mine are voting for liberals. Like, what are the issues that matter to you in this election? And kind of starting that kind of a conversation. And I saw a couple of comments of people saying like, oh, I don't want my vote to be wasted voting for a minor party. I was like, hang on, that's not what happens at all. Mm. Like if you vote for a party like the Greens, you can direct your preferences to Labor or whoever you want. You're like, your vote's not wasted. You get to vote twice Mm. for the people you really want and then the people you're kind of happy to settle for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess the same goes for independence as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess, yeah, one thing against the Liberals and to some extent Labor is their their climate policies are very not good. Yeah. (laughs) Seems like both parties are taking donations from people who do fracking, Mm -hmm. fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a climate emergency and 
the time to take action is running out quickly. So we really have to put people in power who are going to help to steer that ship in the right direction. Mm, absolutely. So, yeah, all we're saying is vote Greens. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I guess for me, as quite put, I'm not an Australian citizen. I'm a New Zealander living in Australia. I can work here, all that sort of thing. But I don't have the power to vote. So I guess this is one way I can express my... Yeah, like we're both Greens Party members. Yeah. So that's another way you can show your support if you can't vote. Absolutely. All right. So did you want to talk about Sensorium next? Yeah. So one of the things I missed in lockdowns was going to exhibition openings. And I got to do that on Friday night. And it was extra special because it was a friend of ours, Fiona Rose Fox, having her solo exhibition at Sensorium, a multidisciplinary creative arts therapy space that another friend of ours, uh, Rachie, runs. It's on High Street in Preston. And the front section is an art gallery. And there's a bit of a focus on highlighting artists coming from a neurodiverse background, coming from different marginalized communities, and giving them a place to express themselves and share their voice and share their beautiful art. And then the back section is this amazing sensory realm. There's all of these different zones. You can change the colors. There's a giant Lego castle because a lot of the people coming here are kids, but also for adults, it's a very inspiring, very colorful place, but there's also little areas you can retreat to. So over the school holidays, there are a lot of different workshops by different people. There's street art workshops, anime drawing workshops, toy making workshops, and those are for kids, NDIS includes creative art therapies and group workshops. So if anyone is receiving NDIS or has a kid who is, this is an option. And there's also open studio nights as well. I know there's a queer-focused one led by a member of that community. So there's a lot of different options and it just seems like a really beautiful, vibrant inclusion into both the mental health realm and the art world, which can be kind of narrow in its perspective to be celebrating all of this, to create a physical space and an emotional space for people to express themselves. And I'm just really happy that it exists. I want to support. I want to tell people about it. And we'll put the link to Sensorium in our show notes as well. Beautiful. So I guess next is we we actually received some pretty good feedback on our Facebook page a little while back. And I can't remember who posted it and I haven't got it written down, sorry, but the person said that it's like every guest we have, we just get on at the perfect time. Like, you know, the, it's the time that you most need to hear from this person. And, uh, you know, we took that as a great compliment. And I guess, you know, lately we have cut back on the number of episodes that we put out and we have become a lot more selective in who we get on to the podcast. We do still get a few, you know, proposing guests to us and a lot of them are, you know, not really what we want to talk about exactly. Yeah, it feels like we'd be covering a lot of the same ground as people we've spoken to in the past or... We're not super interested in just being part of someone's advertising strategy when they have a book coming out. Mm -hmm. We find that if we're speaking to someone who's been on a lot of other podcasts, 
those episodes are not necessarily the ones that people connect with and often you do get a little sense that someone is doing their script when they're talking to you mm. and they're not even that excited to talk to us. It's just part of their promo strategy. Mm, mm, and, and, and they'll go and talk on another 20 or, you know, five to 10 podcasts as well. So, it's, uh, yeah, not that interesting for us. And But on the other hand, you know, uh, the, the grief yoga and the moving through cancer episodes were both proposed to us through a, a publisher and, you know, we really wanted to speak with them. We thought that they were both topics that were close to our hearts. So, you know, it was it was a great, you know, they were both great conversations. Yeah, like if you have a book coming out and we're into it, <laughs> we want to talk to you. Yeah, and yeah. it is an amazing opportunity to talk to someone who has written a book if we're really passionate about the subject. Like we're grateful to have that avenue to connect to people who inspire us. Mm-mm, absolutely. And I guess so, you know, we're aiming for less effort, less guess and more impact. <laughs> yeah. And I think as well, we've both had a bit of a look at our schedules and our podcast schedule. And for this to be sustainable for us long term, we just had to get rid of the deadline. Like if we had one coming out every two weeks, it was just feeling really overwhelming and that just wasn't going to be sustainable long term. So rather than quit the podcast altogether, we're now just talking to the people that we're really passionate about. And I guess the the things that are on our mind mm. when mm. we're recording the episodes are, is what is driving us to find our next guests. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do think it was interesting as well. We kind of made a point, maybe just to ourselves, that we were really looking to look beyond the yoga world for guests. Mm. And then we had all these amazing yoga guests. So <laughs> it's still like close to our hearts. It's what we do. It's what we love. But it's not something that we're going to let limit us in terms of who we speak to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I guess to change the topic completely, this is something I just came into my mind, but I wanted to talk about Star Wars. I'll <laughs> <laughs> go right ahead, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So so we've been watching the Book of Boba Fett and the star of it is actually Timoeta Morrison, who is is a, a Maori. He's you know, from New Zealand and and I actually think that's incredibly awesome. I think it's quite cool that, you know, Boba Fett, who in the Star Wars mythos is is, you know, one of the most legendary bounty hunters, which is about as far away from yoga as you can get. But he's he's a he's a Polynesian. <laughs> For some reason that just sort of Yeah, and they like fully honored that in when they were making his special weapon. Mm-hmm. And also there's a plot line where he kind of helps these indigenous people from Tatooine and helps them assert their land rights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Anyway, that's that's all I wanted to say about that. <laughs> Highlight of each week. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So I guess to finish with, I'll close out with a couple of quotes from Bell Hooks, who sadly passed away a few months ago. Really amazing author, educator, intersectional feminist. I would highly recommend looking her up online if any of those things are speaking to you. You know, some people just have this amazing gift of putting really complicated concepts simply and beautifully. And there are two quotes that I feel kind of relate to each other and are two sides of a coin that I often find myself flipping between. And so the first one is, for me, 
forgiveness and compassion are always linked. How do we hold people accountable for wrongdoing and yet at the same time remain in touch with their humanity enough to believe in their capacity to be transformed? And the other one. I'm often struck by the dangerous narcissism fostered by spiritual rhetoric that plays so much attention to individual self-improvement and so little to the practice of love within the context of community. Yeah, beautiful. And I don't want to act like I have all of this stuff ironed out and figured out. And I think sometimes I know that I look at someone else and just think they're wrong. (laughs) And I don't know how helpful that point of view is, but I don't ever want to be the kind of person who thinks that someone is irredeemably wrong because I don't think that that's helpful either. No, no. And I guess, you know, we're we're all coming from different perspectives and we've all had our own life experiences which have taken us in different directions and some of them may not be so helpful. And I think this is an interesting thing from from the media at the moment, but yeah, we've been watching Euphoria on television and a lot of these people, you know, they do some really terrible things and and maybe in some sense some of what they do is irredeemable, but you can kind of see how they came to that place. And I think it's worth, you know, maybe you have a bad interaction with someone or maybe you sort of disagree with someone's views online or in person and it's probably just worthwhile thinking that, I've probably had some experiences that have taken them there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there is this perception of how to be a better person, you have to work on yourself. But one way of working on yourself is helping others. And if you are feeling like your life is meaningless, making a valuable contribution to someone else's life can be a really powerful way to shift that. And so I think that that. Looking inwards and looking outwards can be a lot more interconnected than sometimes we are led to believe Mm -hmm. and a spiritual practice is not something that you do on your mat, on your own. It's something that you do in the world. But then I guess the flip side of that is if you are doing a lot of things out in the world, you also do need this time to replenish your own reserves and this time to be with yourself and observe your own mind and to kind of look into your own heart and to see if you're directing that energy into a helpful, positive and productive direction or not. And so I don't know what my conclusion is, but these are all things I've been thinking about. Oh, it's always evolving, isn't it, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah, it's just part of being a yoga teacher. <laughs> part of being human. <laughs> Uh, but yeah that's those are some beautiful quotes there i guess that's come to the end of our list so as usual if you've got any feedback or questions please let us know we're both on instagram i'm run loves yoga joe's garden of yoga and we have a group on facebook though i have been 
very light on social media at the moment. I'm still occasionally dipping into Facebook, but I'm, I'm, I haven't been there that often. Though it's my birthday next week, and I'm, I'm definitely going to make sure I'm there to see all the happy birthdays. That's the best day of the year on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, if you want to reach out to us, you can find our website, podcast.flowartist.com. So yeah, thanks so much for listening. Oh, I'd also like to give a quick shout out to Shay at Podcast Doggo, who edits all of our podcasts. She's going to have a job today, (laughs) as in a difficult job with all my ums and ahs. And I'd also like to shout out Rob Healy, who wrote our theme song, Baby Robots by Ghost Soul. I'd also like to shout out all of our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much. It's your kind and generous donations that mean we can outsource the editing of this podcast and we really appreciate your support. Absolutely. So thank you so much for listening. Joe and I really appreciate you spending your time with us. Aroha nui. Big, big love. 